10-3 San Francisco. And tricky because they've got to put it down on the NFL shield, painted at the high snap, pull down, Butker's kick, and it's a line drive kick, and it is good, good, good! A 57-yard field goal by Harrison Butker, the longest in Super Bowl history, and now Butker also has an all-time NFL record, his sixth field goal of 50 yards or more in a Super Bowl. That's the best in NFL postseason history. 10-6 San Francisco. 2.32 to go, third quarter. Chiefs have never led in this game. They fumbled at the eight, or they could have led. Mahomes, fine for the end zone, wide open, caught, touchdown, Kansas City, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 16 yards on a seam up the numbers, and Kansas City has its first lead of Super Bowl 58. McKinnon is in at running back, first down and goal to go, play action fake, right side throw, touchdown, Kansas City, McCall Hardman, McCall Hardman with the catch on the right side, a three-yard touchdown pass in overtime, Kansas City wins the game, 25-22, and the Chiefs kingdom has started its own history class. Because for the first time in 6,944 days, there is a back-to-back Super Bowl champion. And it is the Kansas City Chiefs, champions of Super Bowl 58 on the heels of Super Bowl 57. The Chiefs do it in overtime. You gotta fight for your right to win. All right, welcome in to a championship edition of the AI Kansas City Sports Podcast, week number 95, Austin Coates live in KC mode, joined by Isaiah Sanders in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we're opening to the Chiefs anthem here today. Isaiah, have you fully recovered from the night that was your Super Bowl? Oh, man, what a night that was. Uh, truly, truly incredible. Um, Patrick Mahomes said it best, the Kansas City Chiefs are never underdogs, and they proved it out there. No doubt about that. And uh, the fact that they were underdogs, uh, with the exception of the Miami game, I believe, for the entirety of the postseason is laughable at this point. Um, let that be a lesson to all you odds makers out there. The Chiefs, as you heard, courtesy of Mitch Holtis, one of the best to ever do it in the radio booth, are victorious in Super Bowl 58, 25-22 in overtime. In the waning seconds of overtime, uh, the Chiefs... Uh, take one of their very few leads of the game at the best time. And we're here to break it all down for you. So let's go ahead and get to it. Isaiah, we were talking before this game or before this uh, recording here that this game, in my opinion, was a microcosm and Patrick Holmes even said it, a microcosm of the Chiefs' season. This game had the good and the bad, I think, um, 
littered throughout the entire game. So let's start in the first half and talk about how this game went led up uh, to Usher's halftime performance. Um, first drive of the game, Isaiah, the Niners <laughs> looking really good, moving the ball to a, a Christian McCaffrey fumble. And then really when the Chiefs took over from that point, you saw, uh, I believe, what I called the uh, Ravens' second-half offense. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was going to say, do I have to talk about the first half of this game? Oof. Because the offense uh, did not come out to play in the first half. And I, I don't hold the offense too much at fault as much as I give credit to the 49ers' defense. Um they played outstanding. The defensive line for the 49ers was really pushing the pocket back. Uh, the Chiefs could not run the football at all, um, especially up the middle. I was second half even just yelling whenever we got to a, sh- a short yardage situation, please do not run the football. Um, but they continue to do it. But, yeah, that first half, um, Fred Warner flying around making plays. Um one thing that I noticed outside of uh, how well they were pushing the pocket and um, they were really prepared for Kansas City Chiefs screen game. Um, that's something Andy Reid's always been great at is screens, and that was something that the Chiefs had utilized earlier in the postseason um, was the screen game with Travis Kelsey, with Rush Rice, trying to eliminate, um, you know, a team like the Ravens with how much they pressured. The Niners can get away with rushing four, and so they were ready for those screens, and so they jumped on Kelsey. They jumped on Rasheed Rice in the first half, and so the Chiefs had to get away from that. And at first, in the first half, I felt like they tried to answer that with some more vertical routes, but with how well the 49ers pass rush was doing, um, they no one was getting open. Um, they were doubling Kelsey, going vertical, and, um, you know, Watson, Rice were not winning against man coverage. And um, so the 49ers did an awesome, awesome job defensively in the first half. And that's why, outside of, obviously that Pacheco fumble that they were up at halftime 10 to three. And even that 52 yard pass by Mahomes to Hardman, that, that almost should have been picked. Like if that safety just gets his head around on time, uh, it, I mean, it's an incredible throw, but uh, the safety was, should have been in position to make that play. And so, 49ers did a great, great job. Now the Chiefs did a lot of a lot of things better in the second half, and we can talk about that here in a little bit. But um, that first half, the 49ers were very prepared for the Chiefs' offense and did a great job uh, mixing up zone and man coverage and trying to not making it easy on Mahomes. They did not give Patrick an easy look. And uh, they did a great job rushing for that first half. Yeah, I mean, when your defensive coordinator comes out after you guys just complete a, a great comeback to advance to the Super Bowl and says, look, we may have won this game, but we played pitifully. 
defensively. Uh, it tends to inspire people, and that's definitely what I saw from the 49ers. The screen game from the get-go, it was pretty obvious that it was not going to work. <laughs> you know, multiple tackles for loss, and I don't just mean one guy shooting through the line. I mean three or four guys on the ball uh, yep. very quickly. And so the Chiefs really failed to make an adjustment at that in the first half. Yes, they aired the ball out one time to McCall Hardman, and you're right, if the defender keeps running, it's probably an interception. Uh, if the ball was thrown a little bit further out in front of McColl and he keeps running, it may have been a touchdown. Um, but then very promptly on the next play, the Chiefs turned the ball over anyway. Um, and so really, I think at that point, I really started getting the feeling that, you know, this is going to be one of those games where the Chiefs have to drag out a victory uh, and against one of the more physical teams in the NFL, is it really going to work? And um, they displayed, or Jim Nance uh, of CBS set a stat right before halftime. I believe it was right before Butker kicked the field goal. Isaiah, teams that are shut out in the first half of the Super Bowl are 0-13 all time, yeah. and the Chiefs narrowly avoided that. Um, <laughs> and then, of course... I don't know what happened in the Chiefs locker room at halftime, like some sorcery or some witchcraft or something. But they came out ready to play, kind of, in the well. second half. First possession, very first play after halftime, Isaiah Pacheco and Patrick Mahomes are unable to connect on a play I'm sure they've run hundreds of times before. Uh, a pitch out to the left. I don't know if Pacheco just takes his eye off the ball. He bobbles it near catastrophe, but then Mahomes ends up throwing a pick like within the next couple of plays after yeah. that. So at that point, you know, we're down 10 to three. The Niners have the ball on the plus side of the field for them. Uh, things aren't looking very good for the Chiefs, but Isaiah, this defense has brought it all year long. Tell us about the adjustments that the defense made from the first half to the second half to really slow down the 49ers advances. Well, I'm just thankfully they did not have to do much defensively to change it up. Spags had a great game plan. They only allowed 10 points in that first half. Um, part of that again, due to that forced fumble by Leo Chanel and Mike Pinnell, which shout out those two. Oh, you heck know, yeah. Pinnell got activated um, after Joe Tooney went on IR, and he played awesome in this game. Um, there was one play um, where he got the best of Trent Williams, all pro left tackle. Like, he freaking stonewalled him and made a tackle. Like, that blew me away. But defensively, what the Chiefs were doing on early downs – um, when they knew that 49ers were probably going to be running the ball, they stacked the box, especially if the Niners were in heavy personnel. Like, um, you know, the Niners came out in like 22 or 23 personnel, two, two backs, three tight ends, and the Chiefs would match with nine guys in the box. Um, they said, you are not going to run the ball um, all day on us. 
and they did a great job having sound gap discipline. And most importantly, this team tackled well all night long. Guys like McCaffrey, guys like Debo Samuel will absolutely punish you for missing a tackle. Debo, I think, forced two missed tackles on the night, but after he missed, after one guy missed him, two more guys were there to wrap him up. Um, so the tackling was excellent. Now, the major key for Spagnolo and this defense um, was getting this Niners team into third down. And they were able to do that because of how well they did against the run on first and second down. Um, the Niners' success rate was not great running the ball. McCaffrey averaged just over three three yards a carry. Um, and, you know, 80 yards on 22 touches. He, now he had 80 yards receiving as well, but it was not like he was popping off six-yard runs every time he touched the ball, much closer to, you know, that three yards a pop. And that was key because that allowed Spags to get into his pressure packages. Something I put out before the game was I really expected the Chiefs to blitz a ton um, once they got into obvious passing situations. And, oh, boy, did they. Um, they did not let Purdy have a clean pocket pretty much the entire night because there was a couple plays where, you know, the one or two plays were Sneed or McDuffie actually let someone beat them. But when that happened, um, there was either a free runner like Trent McDuffie running at Purdy and breaking up the pass, or Chris Jones was pushing the pocket back, knocking Purdy off his spot because he had um, Jawan Jennings actually wide open on a play um, that he has to throw, throw out of the back of the end zone because Jones pushed him back. So the timed up pressures, where the pressure was coming from, uh, we had Chris jo Jones in overtime running free at Purdy um, that forced an incompletion like the Chiefs' defensive game plan was so sound all night. McDuffie and Sneed were absolute nails. Like, I was watch I watched the uh, coach's tape uh, before we did this, and just the amount of times that McDuffie is being physical and in Debo's grill. Like, Debo is not a small dude. Like, he is physical. He can run. He forces a lot of missed tackles. And McDuffie is in his grill, staying with him step for step, not getting pushed around. It was an awesome game by the secondary. And we held we held Ayuk under 50 yards, held Debo under 50 yards. Um, again, McCaffrey, only player to get over 50 yards rushing or receiving for this game. Of course, he did both. But just, just an outstanding game by this Chiefs defense overall. Um, you know, they gave up the trick play. They gave up one other touchdown drive, which Jawan Jennings, you know, beats beats Snead over the middle, which in an alternate universe where the Niners make one more play, Jawan Jennings is Super Bowl MVP. And, I mean, that speaks to how well they play, how well the Niners did play in this game, like, don't don't get it twisted. The Niners played a fantastic game, and the fact that the Chiefs took away George Kittle, took away Debo, took away Ayuk, 
and they almost found a way to win by, you know, getting Jawad Jennings involved, throwing the ball and catching the ball. Uh, that speaks to how well this team played. But uh, the Chiefs defense that held the four highest scoring teams um, in the playoffs, just an average of 15 points uh, showed up. No doubt. And a uh, little fact for you here, Isaiah, I mean, if you're watching the broadcast, you know the answer. But I want to see if you know the answer anyway. Who was the last wide receiver to throw for a touchdown in the Super Bowl? Oh, the last wide receiver to throw for a touchdown? Yes. Um, shoot, I don't know because I just, I just know like the, first, the last person to throw and catch one was Nick Foles. But... Antoine Randall-L. If you remember that name, uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, I believe in, in the 2005 Super Bowl, uh, he threw for a touchdown. Of course he was known for kind of doing stuff like that. Um, but you're right. I mean, Juwan Jennings, no doubt if the Niners win that game, he's going to be Super Bowl MVP, but it was not to be. And I just looked this up, Isaiah, Steve Spagnuolo stands alone. Uh, as far as defensive coordinators NFL history, he has the most rings. <laughs> Three rings yeah. with the Chiefs, one with the New York Giants. Um, of course, he was b- very briefly um, a head coach with the St. Louis Rams. It did not go well. He returned no. back to being a coordinator, and that's where he thrives. And uh, I think that, you know, if he goes out next year and this defense balls out again. There might be people picking up the phone trying to get him for a head coaching gig. And I would discourage him from doing that because this is where he thrives. And honestly, where he's going to have the most chance to build his legacy. Um, but look, he's definitely got the players bought into this system. You mentioned it, you know, how they have held these offenses down. Isaiah, the last time the Chiefs gave up. Over 21 points in a game prior to the Super Bowl was against the Green Bay Packers, okay? (laughs) And before that, the last time they gave up more than 21 was that game they got whooped by the Denver Broncos. So it is a rare rare thing that the Chiefs give up 21 or more this year. Um and really, I mean, this is going to go down as one of the, the best defenses we've seen in the last 20 years, most definitely. And oh, yeah. I think probably one of the biggest plays of the game was that third down uh, where I believe we were just inside the two-minute warning. Yes. Um, where if the Niners convert the first or they get close enough and they want to try and go for it on the fourth, they win the game, in my opinion. That's... That's my one like okay, the Kyle Shanahan had a lead had a lead in the Super Bowl. What could go wrong, people? Oh, man, that, like Kyle Shanahan blew it again. Which I mean, you can't argue that he's been up. He's had ten point leads over ten point leads in three Super Bowls and lost all three. Yeah, that's tough. But again, one play in each of those games, and he's three and zero in Super Bowls. Yeah, but. Like you said, 
It's right after the two-minute warning. They take they take it all the way down. He gets lucky on the play before because the Chiefs got pressure, and they do complete the pass, but that could have been an incomplete pass and saved us more time. Um, but so gets the two-minute warning. It's third and four, and, you know, if I'm Kyle Shane in that situation, we just talked about how they're not running the ball extremely well. But it's – you're at the two-minute warning. Chiefs have two timeouts left because we wasted a timeout early in, like, the third quarter. Yep. Um, and if I'm Kyle, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, it's four yards. I've got two plays. And you got Christian and McCaffrey. <laughs> you've got McCaffrey. Like I, you know, three yards of pop. Like okay, maybe we're not. Maybe we're not going to get the first down here, but you might as well try. Like I, I just did not understand because then you're at least forcing the Chiefs to use a timeout, or if they don't want to use the timeout yet, you're going to burn an extra thirty, forty seconds off the clock. Um, instead. McDuffie breaks up the pass. Now you've got fourth and four. And so you want to take the lead. And that's that's why they kicked the field goal. Um, but I really think they, like, if I'm like, that's my one critique here for Kyle is, like, you should have ran it at least once right there. And instead he just throws it. And even if McDuffie doesn't break up the pass, if it goes through his arms, like, that's not getting completed. I you Ayuk wasn't open. Yep. Um, so, and again, test testament to Spags for dialing up the perfect pressure right there, understanding the situation, um, having a tight formation. That's something Spags loves to do is send the DB off the tight form whenever the wide receiver or tight end he's covering has a condensed split. Makes it a lot easier to disguise a pressure, actually. Offenses... Um, you know, like to have tight, tight formations because it allows them to do more, gives them more field to work with, but it also allows the defense to disguise a pressure a little bit easier, and it paid off for the Chiefs there. I mean, you knew the pressure was coming. You just didn't know how they were going to get it done. And a corner yeah. corner blitz Spags has been <laughs> live or die by the blitz. Oh yeah, corner blitz has been the bread and butter of this team for a couple of years. Um, and it paid off. And now, you know, let's talk about something we haven't talked about yet before we discuss what happened in overtime here. First off, the game is not even going to overtime were it not for the play of the Kansas City Chiefs special teams. Uh, field goal, extra point team. Uh, Leo Chanel, who, by the way, Isaiah, highest-graded PFF player in the game. Um, he played awesome. Yes, best, obviously, best game of his young career. He gets a hand on the on the extra point, as, as well as another Chiefs defender. And, you know, that allows the Chiefs to then tie the game with a field goal instead of being down one. But also, Isaiah Harrison Butker... <laughs> What an unbelievable season as we look back here. I believe he only missed two field goals all year. That is incredible. And I think if you're going to talk about Justin Tucker being a Hall of Famer, if Harrison Butker strings together five, six, seven more seasons like this or close to this, I think you're going to start talking about Harrison Butker being a Hall of Famer. 
The man has the most 50-yard field goals in Super Bowl history. The man has the longest field goal in Super Bowl history, which he eclipsed the guy who said it earlier in the game <laughs> by a couple of yards. Um, the guy, I mean, he had his struggles a couple of years ago with the extra points, but ever since then, the guy can't miss, and he's ultra reliable. But I just wanted to, to touch on that and not let that go unsaid. But that extra point block really kind of put the wheels in motion for this thing. You already kind of felt the momentum coming back towards the center, I think. And then, of course, Mahomes does what Mahomes does in two-minute situations. He takes the Chiefs right down the field, and they get a field goal. Now let's discuss this overtime. Okay, so... Well, so before we fully jump into overtime, I just want to talk about how they adjusted in the second half offensively. Um, so we said they're not running the ball well. They're trying to get stuff vertical. Nothing's happening. Um, so what they really changed in the second half was getting Kelsey going. Um, that was evident, nine catches for 90 yards. But what they were doing, because the Niners were trying to double, use Warner on him and double him with a safety and so what they would do, they got him going across the field. They started having him go horizontal, not just vertical. A lot harder to double somebody when you're going horizontal can get lost in zone coverage. Uh, and so they would use guys like Justin Watson to clear out an area and really got Kelsey going over the middle. They started using a lot more horizontal game. And that was the difference in the second half was stretching the field horizontally and not just vertically um, finding those spots in the zone and like on that where Kelsey with the fastest he's gone in the past six years um, getting Kelsey isolated in man coverage and working across the field rather than just up the field when you don't have a lead speed it's a lot easier to create separation horizontally horizontally than it is vertically so that was to me the the best adjustment the Chiefs made. And Patrick also did a great job running the football in the second half. There was a couple plays on the third and fourth down where Patrick runs the ball. That was because of how Bosa had been crashing down on the running game all day. And Mahomes did a great job keeping it on both of those plays. The second play um, where Kelsey was in the flat did a good job getting Kelsey in front of Bosa, um, and that was the difference, was the horizontal passing game and Mahomes running the football, which it's a big game. Of course, Mahomes is going to have a scramble when it counts. No doubt. And I'll tell you what, one more thing before overtime, that pass to Travis Kelsey where he took off up the sideline, I swore yep. for a second he was going to take that thing to the house. Uh, oh, I thought, yeah, oh, close. We have seen him do that to the Chargers multiple times <laughs> in his career to end games, and it boy, it was. I thought they were gonna go for the go for the kill there, um, but they played it safe, rightfully so. Overtime comes. Isaiah is the debut of the new overtime rules, courtesy of the crybaby Buffalo Bills. Um, who I'm sure were just watching in disdain from their resort in Cancun. Um, 
So both teams get a chance to possess the ball under the new rule. The funny thing is, there's two funny things about this. One, the fact that the Chiefs were in the game where it was first implemented, I think is hilarious. Yep. And second, the fact that the Chiefs held the 49ers to a field goal basically voided, you know, the new rule, so to speak, because the Chiefs would have gotten a chance anyway under the old rule. Under the old oh, rule, yep. a touchdown would win the game, a field goal would allow the other team a chance. And they held, and um, the Niners, I mean, ate up half that clock, which I didn't realize until the very end, you know, that was brought up today, why the Chiefs were managing the clock the way they were in overtime. I guess if the clock expired, <laughs> you know, it's just untimed downs at that point because well, it just it just goes that goes to another 15 minute essentially untimed yes overtime is untimed yeah um because there can't be a tie but yeah it just would have been the start of a new quarter essentially yeah which that would be wild if you wanted to consider that a quote-unquote double overtime yeah, uh, it would have been double overtime so to speak it's it, it it was sudden death at that point yes but. so Niners kick the field goal, Chiefs get the ball, and Isaiah, the first thing that happens, I believe, after they get one first down, the Chiefs are in a third and short, Pacheco gets stuffed, it's fourth yeah. and short, the Chiefs have a choice here, and I'm thinking, they they have said, well, Patrick has said, they will never be allowed to quarterback sneak unless it was for the Super Bowl. And I thought, here we go. It's time, boys. Nope. They come out in the shotgun, and I am wondering, what are we doing right now? RPO. Uh, you know, what do they call that? Uh, read option. Yeah. And Mahomes was... takes off and gets the first down. Yeah, it was kind of an RPO read option play. He does have an option to throw it, but I, I mean... I think he was. They knew how Bosa and the Niners had been playing uh, the running game, and he was keeping that all day. Um, Kelsey was there in the flat just in case for some reason they didn't cover that. But um, yeah, that was a pretty much automatic keep. Yeah, and so obviously huge play. Chiefs continue to march down the field, and it's getting to the point like where they are moving the ball with relative ease. And I'm thinking, you know, forget kicking a field goal and tying this thing. Let's go and win it. And they get the ball inside the 10-yard line. And we then we can't ignore MVS trying to uh, make life harder on us. God, doing his best Demarcus Robinson impression. Ugh. I thought we got rid of Demarcus Robinson. He catches the ball, he turns to move upfield, but then goes backwards and then loses his balance and takes a six-yard gain and makes it an eight-yard loss or something. Well, yeah, three, he loses eight yards. It was three, It was a three-yard loss, but he effectively lost God. eight yards running backwards. I thought, this is it. This is how, this is how the season ends. Um, no, but, I mean, we get down there, and I'm thinking, we got... <sighs> three plays to get it in. And we know this has been a struggle for the chiefs all year long in the red zone. And Isaiah, what do they do? 
they run the exact same motion that they ran against the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl. And McCole Hardman, McCole Hardman, who this team let go to another team at the end of last year, he goes to the Jets. They actually trade an actual draft pick to get McCole Hardman back. And he fumbles the ball two times and three touches in the Buffalo game. And he is the one who wins the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs. Just complete elation, I think. Uh, First time in 20 years that we've got back-to-back Super Bowl champions, and it's the Chiefs. And Isaiah, I'll let you provide your final thoughts on the game here, but listen to this statistic, or fun fact, if you will. Here are the last four players to score a receiving touchdown for the Chiefs in their Super Bowls. McCole Hardman, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Kadarius Toney, and Sky Moore. (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, the, The least likely of all of the receivers to make a contribution that's all I got on the game, at least. I want to hear your final thoughts on that. Uh, first of all, incredible, because Kadarius and Sky both being, what? I think Sky was, act- was Sky active. He was Just active. Basically. He didn't play a snap, I don't think. Um, they both scored the last Super Bowl and had zero impact on this game. Um, hilarious, but final thought is... I feel like I feel legit. I feel legitimately like sick to my stomach for Kyle Shanahan because he's going to catch a lot of crap for this. Um, having, you know, lost his third Super Bowl now, two as a head coach, one as an offensive coordinator. Um, but the 49ers defense played about as well as they could have. The offense, you know, did did well um and they pulled out all the stops they got a trick play in there um purdy you know didn't cost them the game or anything and you know shanahan's a play away from this being this bull win but i mean and it is so so hard to get there, so hard, and he's gotten it taken away from him twice by Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Um, and credit to the Chiefs, they beat two really good 49ers teams, and I'm afraid for the 49ers, this was probably their best shot. And... um against the worst Chiefs offense we're probably going to see for a while. Um, But um, can't underrate the defense. This is easily the best Chiefs defense um, that did not feature Derek Thomas. Um, And so, like, a lot to be said about the offense not being great. For as bad as the offense was 
the defense was that much better. And so, you know, not a complete offensive team, but a really complete defensive team. Please bring back Jones. Please, pre, please bring back Snead. Would love to see um, those two get a chance to also run it back for a three-peat. You know, Patrick had the largest cap hit in the league this year as well. And Mm -hmm. that number is going to continue to go up, but there was some rumblings that he is open to restructuring the deal in a certain way to allow them to bring in more uh, veteran pieces. And I don't know what more better veteran pieces to bring in than some of the guys you already got that you want to keep as well. So we'll see what happens with that. But you're definitely right about the 49ers. They absolutely played well enough to win the game. But at the end of the day, the guy that was opposing them in number 15 is just not to be stopped in those types of situations. You know, Isaiah, we are truly witnessing, you know, Tom Brady is to Michael Jordan as Patrick Mahomes is to LeBron James right now. We are witnessing the rise of the next great. Um, And he's already been here, though, so I can't, you can't even really call it a rise. Ever since he's entered into the league, he has been, you know, this majestical, magical football player. And I think that as time goes on, we already see the hate for Mahomes and the hate for the Chiefs. And Isaiah, that's only going to grow. And uh, before we start wrapping things up here, there are a couple of things I want to play. So first we have the 49ers broadcast call (laughs) of the last play of the game. And I want you to listen to the sadness that is in their voices. Listen to this. Seven seconds, six. They are going to snap it. Mahomes going to roll to his right, throws, touchdown. The Chiefs have won the Super Bowl. Nicole Hardman. As they roll Mahomes' right, Nicole Hardman is wide open. And the Chiefs win the Super Bowl back-to-back years. Another heartbreaking loss for Kyle Shanahan. Dang it! <laughs> what, a, I mean, what a play call, as you said. It, it, as seconds are ticking away, they weren't going to wait. Had the 49ers tired. A terrific play and just firing it out to a guy I think they only targeted one time in this game. Yeah. On the deep shot, the 53-yarder. Yeah, out in the flat. Wow. And Patrick Mahomes doing it again in the game's most critical moments. What he did on that last drive, fourth and a half yard, he gets the big run, and then, of course, the third and one takes off and gets a huge run and punches it down deep into 49er territory. What can you say, Travis Kelsey in the second half that he had? And a lot of bad luck for the 49ers. I feel bad for Darrell Luter. That's a big play. And that I'm ball up came on. down and hit him in the ankle. Ray Ray's got no choice but try to recover it. Muffs it. Kansas City gets the ball. Touchdown next drive. What an absolute heartbreaker for everybody with the 49ers. Wow. Man, you can just hear it in his voice. Uh, the the sadness and the heartbreak there. And, you know, one thing we didn't touch on is the turnover on the punt uh, 
originally, Isaiah, I'm sure you maybe saw the same thing. I thought that it had bounced and that Ray Ray McLeod was actually trying to make a play on the ball and oh, ended up no, muffing yeah. it. Uh, but then the replay, of course, shows the ball glanced off the foot, the lower leg of the 49er blocker, and that is why McLeod tried to secure the ball. Unfortunate. Just fall on it, dude. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he should have just fell on it, but really kind of unlucky, I think, <laughs> in oh, that terribly. situation. Yeah. Um, but listen to this, okay? Kevin Harlan... Mitch Holtis has been the voice of the Chiefs for 30 years. Prior to Mitch Holtis, Kevin Harlan, who, of course, on CBS, TNT, well-known, he was the voice of the Chiefs prior to Mitch Holtis. And no one, I don't know if he was on any type of radio call for the other two victories, but no one else probably deserves more to be able to rejoice in the winning of a Super Bowl by the Kansas City Chiefs and Kevin Harlan, here he is on Westwood One with the final call of the game. First and goal at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! The entire bench empties! Chasing Mahomes in the end zone. Their third Super Bowl in five years. The Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions. It is a dynasty. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 58, 25-22 in overtime. It really, I mean, that, that, those are sound bites that we are going to be hearing for years to come, along with the ones from prior Super Bowls. So, before we wrap this thing up, anything else you want to add to cap off the season that was? Uh, Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. I I refuse to doubt this team. If we, you know, win the division at seven and ten in a super down year. <laughs> I, I promise to be like, we still got a shot, guys. We got uh, 15. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you that the Ravens were Isaiah's pick to win the Super Bowl prior to the to the start of the season, which he was eh, pretty close. And uh, we'll see how things go, you know, as we move towards next season. Uh, but that'll do it for the NFL season. And the Chiefs are joining everybody else in Cancun and quite frankly, the AI podcast will as well for a couple of weeks have a nice little sabbatical after this season. And with that it is time for the final play and Isaiah, we can finally say this without a shadow of a doubt. A dynasty in sports is a team or individual that has dominated their sport or league for an extended length of time. The discussion is over completely. The Chiefs are absolutely a dynasty. Six straight AFC championship games. Four trips to the Super Bowl in five years. Three Super Bowl victories. There's no arguing that. And, you know, in my opinion, quite frankly, 
This goes for both individual and team. The Chiefs, as they are right now, are only with the New England Patriots of the last 20 years. The way that they have consistently dominated the league, they are in that category to me. Patrick Mahomes, three-time Super Bowl MVP, two-time NFL regular season MVP, is only to be in the same conversation as Tom Brady. From here on out, he is better than Peyton Manning. He is better than Drew Brees. He is better than Aaron Rodgers. He's better than any quarterback playing in this league currently. And I'm sorry, it's not even a debate at this point. While the Chiefs have created the team dynasty, Patrick Mahomes has created his own dynasty and is now sitting alone with Tom Brady and Isaiah. I tell you what, if the Chiefs would have lost that game or not made it to the Super Bowl, I don't think Mahomes has a chance at sniffing Brady's seven Super Bowls. But you look at a guy that is not 30 years old yet, and he's got three under his belt, there is definitely a chance with the way things are going that he could catch and at least tie, if not break, Brady's Super Bowl record. Who knows? We'll see what happens going towards next year, but we're taking a couple weeks off. Then we'll be back. See ya.